This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Cynthia Lyons, Naperville, Illinois. The Yosemite by John Muir. Chapter 8. The Flowers. Yosemite was all one glorious flower garden before plows and scythes and trampling biting horses came to make its wide open spaces look like farmers pasture fields. Nevertheless, countless flowers still bloom every year in glorious profusion on the grand talus slopes, wall benches and tablets and in all the fine cool side canyons up to the rim of the valley and beyond higher and higher to the summits of the peaks even on the open floor and in easily reached side nooks many common flowering plants have survived and still make a brave show in the spring and early summer among these we, we may mention tall anetheras penstemon lutea and Penstemon Douglasii, with fine blue and red flowers, Spraguia, Scarlet, Zochneria, with its curious radiant rosettes characteristic of the sandy flats, Mimulus, Unanus, blue and white violets, Geranium, Columbine, Erythrea, Larkspur, Colomia, Draperia, Gilius, Helenium, Bahia, Goldenrods, Daisies, Honeysuckle, Heuchera, Bolandra, Saxifrages, Gentians, in cool canyon nooks and on clouds rest and the base of Star King Dome, you may find Primula suffratescens, the only wild primrose discovered in California, and the only known shrubby species in the genus. And there are several fine orchids, Habenaria and Cypripedium, the latter very rare, once common in the valley near the foot of Glacier Point, and in a bog on the rim of the valley near a place called Gentry's Station, now abandoned. It is a very beautiful species, the large oval lip white, delicately veined with purple, the other petals and the sepals purple, strap-shaped, and elegantly curled and twisted. Of the lily family, Fritillaria, Smilicina, Chloragulum, and several fine species of Brodia, Ithuriel spear, and others less prized, are common and the favorite Calocortis, or Mariposa lily, a unique genus of many species, something like the tulips of Europe, but far finer. Most of them grow on the warm foothills below the valley, but two charming species, Calocortis coruleus and Calocortis nudus, dwell in springy places on the Wawona Road, a few miles beyond the brink of the walls. The snow plant, Sarcodes sanguinea, is more admired by tourists than any other in California. It is red, fleshy and watery, and looks like a gigantic asparagus shoot. 
soon after the snow is off the round it rises through dead needles and humus in the pine and fir woods like a bright glowing pillar of fire in a week or so it grows to a height of eight or twelve inches with a diameter of an inch and a half or two inches then its long fringed bracts curl aside allowing the twenty or thirty-five lobed bell-shaped flowers to open and look straight out from the axis. It is said to grow up through the snow. On the contrary, it always waits until the ground is warm, though with other early flowers it is occasionally buried or half-buried for a day or two by spring storms. The entire plant, flowers, bracked, stem, scales, and roots, is fiery red. Its color could appeal to one's blood. Nevertheless, it is a singularly cold and unsympathetic plant. Everybody admires it as a wonderful curiosity, but nobody loves it as lilies, violets, roses, daisies are loved. Without fragrance, it stands beneath the pines and firs, lonely and silent, as if unacquainted with any other plant in the world never moving in the wildest storms, rigid as if lifeless, though covered with beautiful rosy flowers. Far more delightful and fragrant of the valley flowers is the Washington lily, white, moderate in size, with from three to ten flowered racemes. I found one specimen in the lower end of the valley at the foot of the Wawona grade that was eight feet high, the raceme two feet long, with fifty-two flowers, fifteen of them open, the others had faded or were still in the bud. This famous lily is distributed over the sunny portions of the sugar-pine woods, never in large me meadow-garden companies like the large and the small tiger-lilies, pardolinum and parvum, but widely scattered, standing up to the waist, in dense, Canothus and Manzanita chaparral, waving its lovely flowers above the blooming wilderness of brush and giving their fragrance to the breeze. It is now becoming scarce in the most accessible parts of its range on account of the high price paid for its bulbs by gardeners through whom it has been distributed far and wide over the flower-loving world, for, on account of its pure color and delicate, delightful fragrance, all lily-lovers at once adopted it as a favorite. The principal shrubs are manzanita and cyanothus, several species of each, azalea, rubus nutcanus, briar-rose, choke-cherry philadelphus, calicanthus, garia, rhamnus, etc. The manzanita never fails to attract particular attention. The species common in the valley is usually about six or seven feet high, round-headed with innumerable branches, red or chocolate color bark, pale green leaves set on edge, and a rich profusion of small, pink, narrow-throated, urn-shaped flowers like those of arbutus. 
the knotty crooked angular branches are about as rigid as bones and the red bark is so thin and smooth on both trunk and branches they look as if they had been peeled and polished and painted in the spring large areas on the mountain up to a height of eight or nine thousand feet are brightened with the rosy flowers and in autumn with their red fruit the pleasantly acid berries about the size of peas look little like apples and a hungry mountain mountaineer is glad to eat them though half their bulk is made up of hard seeds indians bears coyotes foxes birds and other mountain people live on them for weeks and months the different species of cyanothus usually associated with manzanita are flowery fragrant and altogether delightful shrubs growing in glorious abundance not only in the valley but high up in the forest on sunny or half-shaded ground in the sugar-pine woods the most beautiful species is cyanothus interregimus often called california lilac or deer brush it is five or six feet high with slender branches glossy foliage and abundance of blue flowers in close showy panicles two species cyanothus prostrates and cyanothus procumbens spread smooth blue-flowered mats and rugs beneath the pines and offer fine beds to tired mountaineers the commonest species, Cyanothus cordulatus, is most common in the silver fir woods. It is white-flowered and thorny and makes dense thickets of tangled chaparral, difficult to wade through or to walk over, but it is pressed flat every winter by ten or fifteen feet of snow. The western azalea makes glorious beds of bloom along the river bank and meadows. In the valley it is from two to five feet high, has fine green leaves, mostly hidden beneath its rich profusion of large, fragrant white and yellow flowers, which are in their prime in June, July, and August, according to the elevation, ranging from 3,000 to 6,000 feet. Near the azalea-bordered streams, the small white rose, resembling Rosa Blanda, makes large thickets deliciously fragrant especially on a dewy morning and after showers not far from these azalea and rose gardens rubus nutcanus covers the ground with broad soft velvety leaves and pure white flowers as large of as as large as as those of its neighbor and relative the rose and much finer in texture followed at the end of the summer by soft red berries good for everybody this is the commonest and the most beautiful of the whole blessed flowery fruity rubus genus there are a great many interesting ferns in the valley and about it naturally enough the greater no number are rock ferns Pelea, Calanthes, Polypodium, Adiantum, Woodsia, Cryptogramma, etc., with small tufted fronds lining cool glens and fringing the seams of the cliffs. 
The most important of the larger species are woodwardia, aspidum, asplenium, and above all, all the common terrace. Woodwardia radicans is a sub superb broad-shouldered fern five to eight feet high growing in vase-shaped clumps where tile ground is nearly level and on some of the benches of the north wall of the valley where it is watered by a broad trickling stream it thatches the sloping rocks frond overlapping frond like roof shingles the broad-fronded hardy terrace aquilina the commonest of ferns covers large areas on the floor of the valley no other fern does so much for the color glory of autumn with its browns and reds and yellows even after lying dead beneath the snow all winter it spreads a rich brown mantle over the desolate ground in the spring before the grass has sprouted and at the first touch of sun-heat its young fronds come rearing up full of faith and hope through the midst of last year's ruins. Of the five species of Pelea, Pelea breweri is the hardiest as to enduring high altitudes and stormy weather, and at the same time it is the most fragile of the genus. It grows in dense tufts in the clefts of storm-beaten rocks, high up on the mountainside on the very edge of the fern line. It is a handsome little fern about four or five inches high, has pale green pinnate fronds, and shining bronze-colored stalks about as brittle as glass. Its companions on the lower part of the range are Cryptogramma acrodicoides and Phagopterus alpestris the latter with soft delicate fronds not in the least like those of rock fern though it grows on the rocks where the snow lies longest pelia brigisi with blue-green narrow simply pinnate fronds is about the same size as breweri and ranks next to it as a mountaineer growing in fissures wet or dry and around the edges of boulders that are resting on glacier pavements with no fissures whatever about a thousand feet lower we find the smaller more abundant figoroptis densa on ledges and boulder strewn fissured pavements watered until late summer late in summer from oozing currents derived from lingering snowbanks it is or rather was extremely abundant between the foot of the nevada and the head of the vernal fall but visitors with great industry have dug out almost every root so that now one has to scramble in out-of-the-way places to find it the three species of caolanthes in the valley Caolanthes california Caolanthes gracimilla and myriophila with beautiful two to four pinnate fronds an inch to five inches long adorn the stupendous walls however dry and sheer the exceedingly delicate californica is so rare that i have found it only once the others are abundant and are sometimes accompanied by the little gold firm. 
fern gymnogrammy triangularis and rarely by the curious little botrychium simplex some of them less than an inch high the finest of all the rock ferns is adiantum pedatum lover of waterfalls and the finest spray dust the homes it loves best are overleaning cave-like hollows beside the larger falls where it can wet its fingers with their dewy spray many of these moss-lined chambers contain thousands of these delightful ferns clinging to mossy walls by the slightest hold reaching out their delicate finger fronds on dark shining stalks sensitive and tremulous throbbing in unison with every movement and tone of the falling water moving each division of the frond separately at times as if fingering the music may and june are the main bloom months of the year both the flowers and the falls are then at their best by the first of august the midsummer glories of the valley are past their prime the young birds are then out of their nests most of the plants have gone to seed berries are ripe autumn tints begin to kindle and burn over meadow and grove and a soft mellow haze in the morning sunbeams heralds the approach of indian summer the shallow river is now at rest its flood work done it is now but little more than a series of pools united by trickling whispering currents that steal softly over brown pebbles and sand with scarce an audible murmur each pool has a character of its own and though they are nearly currentless the night air and tree shadows keep them cool their shores curve in and out in bay and promontory giving the appearance of miniature lakes their banks in mo most places embossed with briar and azalea sedge and grass and fern and above these in their glory of autumn colors a mingled growth of alder willow dogwood and balm of gilead mellow sunshine overhead cool shadows beneath light filtered and strained in passing through the ripe leaves like that which passes through colored windows the surface of the water is stirred perhaps by whirling water beetles or some startled trout seeking shelter beneath falling logs or roots the falls too are quiet no wind stirs and the whole valley floor is a mosaic of greens and purples yellows and reds even the rocks seem strangely soft and mellow as if they too had ripened End of chapter 8